This is AgriPulse Daybreak West for Friday, November 15th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Kelly. Here's today's headlines. Pesticide notifications. Streamlining for groundwater sustainability. Dems demand trade promises at writing and U.S. and China talks continue via phone. DPR considers expanding pesticide notifications. In every venue he visits, Val Dalcini, the director of the Department of Pesticide Regulation, is asked about notifications for pesticide applications, he said, as he opened a DPR advisory committee meeting yesterday. Dalcini said he will be paying close attention to a pilot program led by Monterey County Ag Commissioner's Office. The program issues a warning when a pesticide is applied within a quarter mile of a school. The message includes the material applied, the start date, and a map of the location, according to Deputy Commissioner Heather Healy, who presented the meeting. Since its inception in 2016, the program has had 173 people sign up for email notifications and 54 for texts. Healy said there was a fear that by providing parents with this information, they would keep children home from school, but that hasn't happened. Yet Dalcini worried the notification is a fairly technical document and can be taken the wrong way. Healy said it is a work in progress and will be refined through ongoing community outreach. DPR researchers have suggested they may implement a similar program in the Shafter area. Remember, California passed the Healthy Schools Act in 2000, which encourages schools to use effective, least toxic pest management practices, also known as integrated pest management, as DPR states. UC researchers, however, have countered that IPM does not eliminate those harder materials, relying instead on a range of tools. The Act also requires schools to offer notifications to parents five days ahead of application and to provide training to staff who apply pesticides. A broad criticism from agriculture has been that those training and safety requirements are far softer for schools than for industry professionals. On that particular note, UC Farm Advisor Lynn Wunderlich also presented in the meeting about her program that trains applicators on reducing spray drift near schools. She said the program has been successful but needs more trainers and requires trainees to take a full day off work. The math can also be overwhelming when growers must dial in the time of year, inversion layers, canopy size, bloom time, and much more. And equipment like low-drift nozzles can be expensive. By the way, a committee member from the Pesticide Action Network expressed both to Wonderlick and Healy they could do more to encourage more sustainable alternatives to growers. Goats and organic pesticides not always appropriate alternatives. Noxious weeds are, quote, a really tough issue, when it comes to large-scale weed control in grasslands and rangelands, according to Valerie Ivner, a professor of ecosystem management and restoration at UC Davis, who also spoke at the advisory committee meeting. Extension specialists told her they know folks who don't want a spreading roundup, but they have hundreds of acres of harmful and invasive weeds out-competing critical wildflower species. Also, burn permits are increasingly rare to require. Grazing has its limits as well, since goats can spread the weeds and won't eat everything. 
Eibner also emphasized that organic herbicides cannot be replacements for conventional since the modes of action are completely different. Glyphosate is internalized into the plant, while organic herbicides burn the outside tissue. During field trials, her research team found organics can sometimes work but are a bit more finicky for good results. It requires perfect weather conditions with no dew on the ground and no cold temperatures. Unlike conventional, organic products really require a good soak on the weeds as well. State Water Board streamlines permits for groundwater sustainability. Water agencies and growers have complained about long timelines and lengthy paperwork uh, in applying for permits to divert surface water to underground storage during floods and other high-flow events. Yesterday, the State Water Board announced it has now streamlined those requirements while also reducing filing fees and permit and license costs. The board's action comes in time to benefit the local agencies currently drafting plans to replenish overdrafted basins for the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. Board Chair Joaquin Esquivel said groundwater recharge will help the state adapt more variable conditions under climate change. These permitting revisions will help make that process more nimble and efficient while still protecting fish and senior right holders. Broad-scale recharge on agriculture lands will be more feasible and more flexible. It allows farmers and other water rights holders to respond to high-flow events while also planning year-to-year without having to go through additional approvals. Dems want USMCA promises in writing. House Democrats will need to see their demands on USMCA addressed in writing before the party's leadership will sign off on a ratification vote. That was the word from Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal last night after he briefed House colleagues on the status of talks with the White House. We want the text, Neal told reporters after noting that he is preparing to send another letter to U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer to address unresolved labor issues. The primary issue is enforcement policies to ensure that Mexico follows through with new labor standards, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced earlier yesterday she believes a deal is, quote, imminent. Keep in mind, House Democrats' enthusiasm for USMCA is building, say lawmakers like Representative Henry Cuellar of Texas and Donna Shalala of Florida. We're not there yet, Shalala said. There's a lot of enthusiasm for getting it done. Cuellar says he was impressed by the number of freshman Democrats who expressed an eagerness to ratify USMCA this year. The Texas lawmaker, a vocal proponent of the trade pact, said he's hopeful it can be approved in the first or second week of December. When asked if that were possible, Neal stressed that he needs union leadership to support the labor enforcement provisions. Now for more, see Bill Thompson's story at www.agripulse.com. The U.S. and China to continue trade talks on the phone today. Chinese Vice Premier Liu He will be on the phone today with Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin trying to finalize a partial Phase 1 trade pact between the two countries. That according to USDA Undersecretary Ted McKinney speaking with AgriPulse. McKinney said, I'm hopeful something comes from that. I do not know that it will. Keep in mind. The Wall Street Journal reported this week that China has been resisting a hard commitment on purchases of U.S. ag commodities. Well, here's today's He Said It. 
We're spending $75 million over five years to fight feral hogs in the South. And we could have spent a fraction of that had we acted earlier. We don't want to make that same mistake with Nutria in California. That representative Josh Harder of Turlock explaining yesterday the need for Congress to fund pest management to eradicate Nutria. Well, that's Daybreak West for this Friday, November 15th, brought to you by FMC. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak West, I'm Jeff Daly.